Welcome to episode 115 of the Search with Candor podcast, recorded on Friday the 11th of June 2021. My name is Mark Williams-Cook, and today we're going to talk a little bit about the Google June Core update. So that's the first of two known core updates we're getting, one this month, one next month, following hot on the heels of the Google product review update, and of course, the currently rolling out page experience update, keeping us SEOs very very busy and guessing which is brilliant we're going to talk a little bit about some of the thoughts in the community around that and we're also going to talk about the strategic convenience of google duplex so there's been an announcement on uh from google about duplex and some new stuff they're going to be rolling out and we'll cast our minds back to may 2018 when we first saw duplex demoed and just have a refresher of what it is and why we should be thinking about it For now, I want to tell you this podcast is very kindly sponsored by the lovely people at Sightbulb. Sightbulb, if you haven't heard of it, is a desktop-based Windows and Mac piece of software to do your SEO auditing. It's absolutely fantastic. I've used it for years now. We've used it at the agency for a long time, which is why I love talking about it. Um, Every week, I generally pick kind of one cool thing that Sightbulb does, a a feature or something that um, I use it for. And that thing today is finding orphan pages, uh, which is a super useful thing that Sitebulb is very good at. So orphan pages are these kind of fragmented pages that exist on your site and they're not linked to by other internal URLs. And they can be really tricky to try and discover um, and they're annoying because they can still get found in search engines and there's been no no end to the amount of times I've, I've done site queries on client sites and found kind of old or embarrassing pages that shouldn't um, have been there. You run a Sitebulb crawl. The great thing about Sitebulb is it can connect up to things like your Google Search Console, um, your Google Analytics. It can read URLs from your site um, map and it will cross-reference all of these things Um, to give you a list of orphan URLs. So that is, if the audit finds URLs, i.e. accessed URLs in your analytics or in your sitemap that are not accessible to the crawler, i.e. when it's clicking through all the links on your site, it will flag those. So it makes that job super, super easy, very quick win. There's loads of stuff Sitebulb does. You can get a free trial uh, for Sitebulb, an extended free trial, actually, because you listen to Search with Candor. If you go to sitebulb.com forward slash SWC, there's no credit card or anything required. It's just a straight up download and you get to try it. So give it a go now. There's been a little bit more news about Google Duplex uh, recently and it's something I wanted to cover because I think it's important. It goes along with a lot of what we've been saying over the whole show really about the future of SEO and search and and user journeys. So if you don't know about Google Duplex, um, it's essentially an AI Google has which allows you to or helps you complete tasks and it can do that in a conversational manner. It had a very impressive 
went viral demo in May 2018 at Google I.O. I'm just going to play you the couple of minute clip from that demo because one, it if you haven't heard it, I think you will be amazed and two, it is quite hard to actually describe unless you just hear it. So here's the uh, little snippet from the May 2018 demo at Google I.O. of Duplex. The progress with the assistant. As I said earlier, our vision for our system is to help you get things done. It turns out a big part of getting things done is making a phone call. You may want to get an oil change schedule, maybe call a plumber in the middle of the week, or even schedule a haircut appointment. You know, we are working hard to help users through those moments. We want to connect users to businesses in a good way. Businesses actually rely a lot on this. But even in the US, 60% of small businesses don't have an online booking system set up. We think AI can help with this problem. So let's go back to this example. Let's say you want to ask Google to make you a haircut appointment on Tuesday between 10 and noon. What happens is the Google Assistant makes the call seamlessly in the background for you. So what you're going to hear is the Google Assistant actually calling a real salon to schedule the appointment for you. Let's listen. Oh, can I help you? Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like. What service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. That was a real call you just heard. The amazing thing is the assistant can actually understand the nuances of conversation. We've been working on this technology for many years. It's called Google Duplex. It brings together all our investments over the years in natural language understanding, deep learning, text-to-speech. By the way, when we are done, the assistant can give you a confirmation notification saying your appointment has been taken care of. Let me give you another example. Let's say you want to call a restaurant, but maybe it's a small restaurant which is not easily available to book online. The call actually goes a bit differently than expected. So take a listen. Hi, um, I'd like to reserve a table for Wednesday the 7th. For seven people? Um, it's for four people. Four people when? Um, next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Oh, actually we live here for like upper like five people. For few, four people you can come. How long is the wait usually to uh, be seated? For, 
when tomorrow or weekday or? For next Wednesday, uh, the seventh. Oh no, it's not too busy. You 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 can come for four people, okay? Oh, I got gotcha. you. Thanks. Bye bye. Again, that was a real call. We have many of these examples where the calls quite don't go as expected, but the assistant understands the context, the nuance. It knew to ask for wait times in this case and handle the interaction gracefully. I'm sure you'll agree if you haven't heard that before. It is a pretty wild demo. It was apparently a legitimate call, and there was just so much nuance in there that did really impress me from you know, just how well the AI was able to understand the conversation and when it was asking direct questions and getting kind of the wrong answer back that it, it it's worked that out. Now, the reason we're talking about Duplex is there was an announcement made on the Google Nest Help support forum and they're essentially saying now that very shortly through Google Nest, they're rolling out the ability to use Duplex to do this exact thing to make bookings at supported restaurants, which uh, is, you know, is incredible. It means we're, we're getting there. And the interesting thing from a search point of view for me is down to thinking about marketing and brands and convenience, right? So where I'm going with this is we've seen throughout many different things, not just SEO and search, but the path of least resistance is what generally wins out with consumers, right? So if you've got two ways of doing things and there's uh, well, one way of doing things and then there's a new second way, which is slightly less effort, um, eventually that slightly less effort way will win out. Um, you know, people are kind of you know, motivated program to get the most for their effort. And certainly um, when this is combined with brand, we've seen this at the extremes for shops like Amazon. So I know personally people who don't like Amazon for their own reasons as a company to do with tax and how they treat staff. However, they still shop at Amazon, um, you know, which you could say, well, that's quite hypocritical. And when you talk to them about it, and it, it is just because of that trade-off inconvenience, because they've got Prime, they know um, what they want is on there, they can get it next day in most cases, the delivery is free. So they don't even bother searching anymore. They just go straight to Amazon and then and then get what they want. And we, we've seen similar things happen when there's been these arguments about various types of rich uh, results in the SERP. So it might be um, featured snippets. It might be actually when Google's moved into doing its own comparisons in uh, in the search engine result rather than pushing people to websites. And obviously web webmasters, website owners, content creators, business owners have complained saying, you know, you're essentially stealing our livelihood and just giving people the answer straight away. A lot of the time and answer we've powered. Um, and Google's retort has generally been based on the fact that, hey, we do what's best for the user and our user research shows this. And I think if everyone's honest with themselves, we know that there is a divide between 
what the user prefers and maybe what's best for users as a whole in the long term because it's certainly you know not good to get into situations where we do create monopolies and we we do reduce choice we do reduce competition and innovation that's a, quite a snowballing effect however google knows if they reduce friction to getting that answer they reduce that time to result that users will just go along with it if they can do it for long enough they will go along with it and this does make me think about the role of search and discovery and brand in marketing when we are making booking restaurants as easy as saying hey google book me here or there or wherever because you've because you've you've taken away the need to go and do the thing that creates friction it might be to google it to find the phone number or to book it online through an app your i believe you will reduce the chance for new search activity where they might discover something else see an ad for something else so we will see more centralization a lot of the time in brands that people know um, and I'm not just applying this just to restaurants I mean I think restaurants are slightly different from other things because it is you know it's an experience and that's kind of the, the point of it but the the overarching thing I'm thinking of in terms of SEO and search and marketing and digital strategy is I think as the as things get more convenient like this knowing the brand becomes more convenient for the user so I think you'll see increased loyalty um, where you've got these incredibly low friction interactions so something to think about um, you know and it this whole um, different ways of interacting with businesses apart from through the website because um, I do I do whenever I give a talk on the kind of search and web I try and paint that you know a business isn't the website the website is one view one window in one way to interact basically with a database um, you can do that through an app through a website through duplex um, so there's lots of different ways to to do that and you know that I think following this line of people will do the thing that's basically the least effort for them um, is is going to hold true as it always has so just something to think about as this duplex um, starts rolling out, Google did promise a quote-unquote slow and responsible rollout. So it was three years ago when we were kind of, this was unveiled, and it, it's only now that we're starting to see it. But I think this will, you know, this isn't going away. This is, I think, what it's going to be. So definitely start thinking about this in your longer-term planning for digital, for search, for, for everything, really. Why don't we talk a little bit about core updates? Um, again, this uh, this month I've seen another really good thread by Mordi Overstein, and he, he seems to be making quite a few appearances on this podcast, and that's simply because he is actually taking the time to track some interesting stuff um, and think about things and, and publish it that I'm not seeing from other people. So if you don't um, if you don't follow him. You'll find a link to his profile in our show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. Suggest if you're on Twitter, you give him a follow. He's, he's published some of his thoughts about the June 2021 core update. And interestingly, you know, as I said, I saw some, loads of interesting stuff he's been doing lately. So 
what he recently I saw was tracking how many well-known big brand websites came up in his Google Discover feed versus kind of small niche sites. And he literally keeps a spreadsheet of of this um, so he can spot when maybe the algorithm in Google Discover changes because a lot less is, is known about that and it's a lot kind of less direct input output than than things like regular SERPs. And I just, I just love that because I was like, wow, what, you know, what a smart thing to do. It's like he's working, he's working in this field and he's, he's just bothering to actually do that record and then have some kind of data to, to think about. And I'll give the usual caveats with this, which is that, of course, we are looking at an absolute, you know, we're picking up one grain of sand on the beach here and just kind of talking about it. Um, as as I posted the other day, when we talk about things like, you know, ranking factors, they apply differently over different websites, different verticals have different effects in different combinations. So there's not a lot of point trying to pull them apart individually. But I think what Morty does here is he is, he is contributing good things to establish the theme of things we are seeing in these core updates. So I'm just going to read out a couple of his his tweets and I, again I'll link to it in the show notes. So Maury says in uh, the June 2021 core update is an odd one, very unique patterns and behavior. In fact, it's been really hard to find any considerable patterns, etc. But here's one case I stumbled on that's just beautiful. The keyword is commercial truck loans. Here are the winners and that's fastcapital360.com and fundera.com. And the losers, firstcapitalbusinessfinance.com and thetruckersreport.com. And then Morley posts a screenshot. Uh, he uses Rank Ranger to um, track the rankings for those keywords. And of course, as you'd expect, you would see the losers have dropped kind of from the first page down into second, third page. And those winners have had a very sudden blip at the same time and essentially replaced those those two websites that are now the losers. <clears throat> so Morty goes on look at looks at the content and says it's easy to see why first capital business finance page lost some rankings. Just look at what's on the page and um, of course you can look through these tweets yourself but it's a very basic kind of H2 doesn't look styled page with just bullet points of who we finance bad credit or can't provide financials not a problem. It's super super basic stuff. Um, and he says the same for the truckers report page, which is the other page uh, site that was a loser. Up top, nothing too helpful. So there's like a what looks like a free maybe or very cheap vector art, and then just kind of some some blurb at the top about financing for semi trucks. Easy if you know where to look. Now, under the fold some really not great content at all followed by a thin list so again Morley's provided screenshots again exactly what it says on the tin some pretty generic content and quite a poorly formatted small list he says now the lending tree page is where this gets fun because it's really good but lost rankings and it starts off with some nice overview content it's beautifully styled it's to the point um it's it's clear with headers that are targeting um keywords you know features of commercial truck loans commercial trucks versus uh, commercial truck loans versus leases so they've obviously done keyword research you can see they've they are cross-linking with good anchor text um and then it goes down 
um, some nice info on where to get a loan from. So there's a section about shopping for commercial truck financing and um, lists like Wells Fargo Bank where you can get this. There's a nice FAQ. Um, so you get the point. This is a solid page. Why would it lose rankings? So Morty says, let's look at the Fundera page that saw gains. It does a lot of what the Lending Tree page does, but a bit more. It goes some it gives some really nice details that speak very specifically to the target audience, truckers slash business owners looking for a loan. So it's highlighted on here. Um, a section of the content says the first thing they'll consider is whether the truck is a vocational truck or a long haul truck, a semi. A vocational truck is a garbage truck, a dump truck or any other type of truck with a specific use that's used primarily within a single geographic area. A semi truck is a truck that transports freight cargo often over hundreds of miles. The Fundera page is a really classic example of being that much better than good content that already ranks in the SERP. It, has, it has that added value that it differentiates. Now take uh, the Fast Capital page, which also saw gains. Same as the Fundera page, deep details about the nature of the industry. Again, this type of information is missing from the Lending Tree page. <clears throat> and he gives some examples of that. I won't read them out. The Fast Capital page is just full of nuance and details all of the way through. One of the elements that caught my eye was a graphic, uh, was a graphic the page starts off with. It really helps the reader understand not just how to get a loan or where to get a loan, but it helps the reader get a grasp on the trucking industry from a financial point of view. It helps give context. What I think you have with the two pages that saw gains is that they both really speak to the user. They both empathize with the user. They don't just tell you what to do but help the user understand the larger picture. In other words, if I'm looking for a trucking loan, what does that say about me? It says I'm looking to get into the trucking business. The Lending Tree page ignores that. It solely focuses on getting the loan per se, not getting into the business. In contrast, the Fundera and Fast Capital pages pay attention to who the user is, not just what their immediate wants are. As such, it offers contextual information via a targeted level of detail, depth and nuance. Simply, they speak to the user, not the user's task. Now, that's like a super deep dive. And you may think, well, this is just, you know, one example. And it, that narrative just fits what we're seeing here. But this does fit into this larger picture, right? If you think uh, in the last few episodes, we spoke about um, Mum, the Google um, the Google Advance that's looking at breaking up complex, what would be multi-query tasks into, okay, Google understands what all those next queries are going to be and builds the answer for you. We've looked at before that, I've spoken loads about people also ask data. So when you type a search, and to give an example, you know, around this, um, maybe getting loans for a truck, Google knows what other questions people will ask, and it might be about the actual kind of trucking industry, as Morty's saying. So I don't think it's actually that much of a stretch to to make this case that Google is thinking more about the user because of that level of data and understanding it's got. Um, I think, again, with the example we're looking at in this episode with, with Duplex, that 
the level of understanding Google has of language has transformed massively over the last few years um, to the point where it's becoming a much deeper ranking factor than it ever was. And, you know, those that know me and have worked with me on, on projects over the years with SEO know I, I've always been very much firmly in the it's links camp, right? So despite being told content is king, you know, since 2000, it's always for me been links that I have seen time and time and time and time again that move the needle, okay? And yes, there are different ways of getting links and yes, you know, ideally you just make really good content kind of like this and you get links, but links are definitely less important than they used to be in my opinion because um, you used to be able to just do anything with them. Um, and certainly I think what we're seeing with content is different now. So the biggest change over say that long period I've seen is that it used to definitely be optimal to create single pages for kind of each keyword phrase that you wanted to target. Search engines were very happy when they found a page with a title tag and a header one that pretty much matched the user's query. Um, and you know we have Panda and we've had loads of updates since then where you know definitely now everyone just talks about hub and spoke pages and how um, you know if you've got several related questions if it makes sense to the user you have them all on one page and that I think you know leans into what we're talking about here and even the step further of Google understanding what all the related information questions and understanding and context all of all of this intent that people have um, so I think I think you know, firstly, from a user point of view, you can't go wrong with what Morley's suggesting here. You should be doing this, even if it wasn't cited to be an, like, an SEO thing, because this is what's going to be good for your users. Um, I think from what we're seeing here, and certainly from the noises Google makes, from the technology we're seeing, it does make sense that this is going to be an SEO thing, if you want to call it that. The other, um, the other thing I wanted to bring up about this um, core update is another one of my favorite SEOs, Lily Ray, um, <clears throat> tweeted just yesterday saying, there is definitely something still going on with product review sites. So of course, um, if you remember, of course, we, we did have the product review update as well. So we went through that and actually, um, yeah, that refreshes my memory. That the guidance that Google gave, um, so we read out the bullet point lists of what they're expecting in review sites, and we talked a lot about comparisons and context in that. It's exactly what we're talking about with with Mordi. Um, but <clears throat> Lily says, um, especially um, she's seen a lot of change in the tech consumer electronics category. Below are some of the biggest winners I'm seeing so far of the June core update. These sites have been making major changes to improve quality. And we've got trusted reviews, AndroidCentral.com, Digital Trends, Technopedia, Top10Reviews.com, LifeWire.com, Engadget, which have at the top end with trusted reviews a 36% visibility gain, um, going down sort of into the double digits, and then 6% for Engadget. The the theme here is again Lily's picked up on these sites have been making major efforts to improve quality. Um, you know, I haven't seen many people talking about how their new link building campaign has been affecting things um, in terms of or, or how backlink profiles have been affected in these core updates. The feeling I'm getting, and this is just again from trying to 
I guess, take an average from everything I'm hearing, from speaking to people, from looking at our clients' results, from looking at other people's clients' results, from talking to other SEOs, from um, seeing information like this put out, is that a lot of these core updates do seem to be around, I would say, language and and content and intent. So <clears throat> nothing as you know simple as, you know, longer content is ranking better. You know, those are nasty little correlations we need to stay away from. And really pulling apart that I think Google is running some pretty decent stuff on this content now to to work out this intent and nuance. So I wanted to share those examples with you. Um, really bake that into your minds in terms of looking at your content plans, thinking about what are we doing for SEO, why are we producing this content and really is it much better than our competitors? Is it really what our users want or are we just thinking here's a keyword we need to make some content for it and then see if we can build links to it worth thinking about um i'll put links to all these tweet threads in the show notes search uk. i hope you've enjoyed this episode of search with candor if you have why not tell a friend about it it's really nice to see the listeners going up every month really appreciate that and the kind messages some of you have sent me I'll be back, of course, in one week's time, which will be Monday the 21st of June. And until then, I hope you all have a lovely week.